everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Mixtape Book Club podcast. I'm Ellen. And I'm Mel. In each episode, we take a look at different trope or genre in the huge collection of Destiel fan fiction. And this week, our topic is Omegaverse, um, otherwise known as ABO. So it's a genre that's been in mainstream media spotlight recently, and to help us work out why this genre is so popular in fandom spaces, we are very excited to welcome two guests this week, CB Firestarter and Trenchcoat Baby. Hello. Hey there. <laughs> Yay. Uh, we're so excited that you've come to join us because, honestly, we have been talking about um, fanfic for so many years now, and to actually finally get to do this <laughs> And talk to you in person like this is so exciting. Um, so thank you very much for coming on with us. We are very excited to be here. <laughs> yes, we are. Awesome. Okay, so this week we're going to talk about three fixed um, in the Omegaverse genre. And we might also, if we have time, um, discuss some, uh, like our writing topic for the week will be to talk about co-writing and why we all enjoy a bit of co-writing. Oh, yeah. um, so the three the three fix we're going to talk about is um, white collar contracts, which is by CB Firestarter and Trenchcoat Baby. Um, no words by Little Flirt, um, and Unwritten, which is by Porcupine Girl. Because we're going to be talking about some adult topics in this episode, um, you might like to switch off if you have like small ears listening. Um, there is going to be some explicit touch- or if you personally have small ears. Yep. <laughs> if you have small ears, turn off. No, I'm not going to gatekeep this. If you, my ears are very big. Personally, I have huge ears, so I'm ready for anything. <laughs> no, not going to gatekeep it. People should be able to curate Just their own environment. But, <laughs> That's yes. right. I guess first, we we should really like for people who are new to Omegaverse. We should really like this is a of an really interesting and often controversial kind of topic because um a lot of people have this impression that it's just basically wolf porn like you know (laughs) it's just wolves and it can can be let's be honest it can be (laughs) it absolutely can be it's many things mostly it's not (laughs) (laughs) um I guess we could start by saying that it, it, it has been in the mainstream media recently because um there was a high profile court case there were two authors one of them had written um a, a megaverse book and sold quite a lot of copies of it and then another author had also written another one the first author sued the second author for you know infringement of copyright um and then a huge battle erupted over who actually owned the megaverse and it's you know the things that go into that so i, I we're not going to talk about that today um if you want to know more about that court case um the YouTuber Lindsay Ellis has a very, quite a long, it goes for like a whole hour, I think, just talking about the court case and how it all panned down. It's quite interesting if you're interested in copyright law and like fandom kind of um, the legality of it all. So I'll put a link to that video um, in the blog post so you can have a look at that. It also explains a little bit about what ABO actually is, um, but a much more comprehensive um like description of what it is is on the fan law page on fanlaw.org um so we've got a little bit of a summary of of what it's about for you today so that we can talk about it a bit more after that so omegaverse um as far as we can tell began with j2 um, rpf so real person fiction back in 2010 
And it was an extension of some already popular tropes that um, were popular within that ship. And it very rapidly spread to many other fandoms and pairings. Currently, so as of March 2020, which is the, the last point that we had um, data for, um, according to fan lore, Supernatural has the highest number of fix tagged as Omegaverse or ABO, um, which was 5,971 of them. I'm oh, wow. surprised that's not high. Yeah, I'm I, was gonna, I honestly <laughs> thought that would be higher as well. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, I find that surprising. Yeah. It seems kind of low. Well, because alone, like, until we've written, like, four or five, I guess, total between us. So that seems <laughs> like it's like a, you know. Anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely did think that would be higher. And it, it seems to be, at least in my impression, it's it's growing more popular. So we see, like, more and more um, ABO fix now than we used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So 90% of those fix are tagged as um, MM ships. Um, probably due to the fandoms where the trope is most popular because Supernatural, Teen Wolf, um, Sherlock, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe all have a lot of um, gay ships within them. So yeah. that's yeah, probably explaining that. <clears throat> the Fowler article also suggests that while individual elements of the genre may have been present beforehand, um, so for example, if you isolate um, Mpreg or the use of the words Alpha or Omega, the biological kind of social elements, um, they, they've been in place a lot longer. Um, but the, the, that J2 RPF was really where it first came together as Omegaverse, officially. Yeah, I mean, the, that's what makes um, ABO what it is, is the, the fact that there are those um, separate biological secondary genders and the societal divides between them. So commonly, I mean, you can, it's really up to the author at this point to include any of these different things that they think that they would like to include. Um, but commonly, uh, apart from the obvious alpha, beta and omega secondary groupings, genders, um, it can include any of the following. So we've got heat and rut cycles, knotting, which is like a canine kind of mechanism where the penis swells up and gets stuck inside the female I don't know I don't want to go into too much biology here but you know it's it's quite distinctive to the um canine kind of sex canine <laughs> um, species <laughs> yeah yeah um we've got the the production of slick by omega so self kind of lubrication we've got mpreg for the at least the ability for male omegas to produce offspring. We've got scent bonding. We've got pheromone production, which makes different people smell different. Sometimes you can tell what emotion they're feeling because of their scent. We've got the concept of true mates and, um, you know, mating for life, mating bites. We've got such a great big list of sort of tropes and elements that go into this. And really the physiology of the whole thing is quite fuzzy like the science is not really very scientific <laughs> but um but it is it creates um like some a really popular um I don't know it's a phenomenon really isn't it like uh it can create some really interesting and beautiful stories in my opinion so let's do a bit of myth busting shall we <laughs> Mal do you want to yeah let's do some myth busting okay so ABO is said to be based on real wolves. That is in itself actually false. So in a real wolf pack, um, the alpha male mates the alpha female. So there's no alpha mating with omega in a wolf pack. It ain't going to happen. Um, though I was reading some um, research 
recently, which, you know, popped up in my Google feed, because when you start to read this kind of fanfic, you get all kinds of weird stuff popping up. Yeah. Um, um, there was some new research which actually indicated that uh, wolves don't even have uh, the, the hierarchy that we think they do. They only actually appear to be alpha as a threat to other packs, so it doesn't really apply okay. within their own pack. While we can't say that it's biologically based in nature anywhere, it, it's now a, an entity of its own, I think. I don't think it needs to necessarily be yeah. based on anything. <laughs> yep. Um, and obviously also male wolves are not able to get pregnant. But so how does that work in, in male omegas, which that's quite a, a big feature of um, Omegaverse fix. It turns up in quite a lot of them. I don't know what the stats would be for how many that Ooh. actually appears in, but I do feel like it's something that happens in quite a lot of Omegaverse fix. I'd say like, like two out of three even. Yeah, it seems yeah like it's a large trope for that. And I mean, Omegaverse is really just taking individual animalistic traits and picking and choosing the ones that they want and applying them how you want to you know make a certain kind of story work yeah like i think it's very much its own thing now like it doesn't necessarily have to be linked back to anything it's it's created its own environment that we can play with and tinker with however we want really which is kind of beautiful that so many people are using the same set of rules to like write their own stories and while there's certainly variations and you don't have to have all of those rules like you don't have to have scent bonding or you don't have to have nodding or to to make it you know an omegaverse fic but like for the most part they do all kind of follow these rules that like we as a fandom have like agreed on in the omegaverse like this is how omegaverse works and i feel like most of us like expect certain rules to be followed when we read these yeah that might be the only thing that the entire fandom agrees on (laughs) 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 <laughs> well, and to that, like, I feel like a lot of people who read um, Destiel E, you know, it, you know, it makes sense that we would have such a heavy presence in this because I think that until um, what's a more um, profound bond, you know, other than like a bond typically shown between an alpha and an omega, you know, so I think that we really connect with that part of it, and so the like the basic canon story of Cass and Dean can translate like super well into this form I think that's very true yeah and I think Supernatural has kind of a an in on that as well in that we're already completely used to seeing Cass at least as something that is kind of other that we don't necessarily know how he works he doesn't work quite the same way that Dean does so putting them and that's that's canon that's the way it is so putting them in this other universe where things work slightly differently isn't as much of a leap for us as it would be for some other fandoms possibly mm, that's right the other myth that i see around the place that i think we need to reiterate with people who don't read much omegaverse is that um they're thought to be, that they re- reinforce gender stereotypes so the weaker more feminine one is always the omega and you know the alpha obviously is self-explanatory but that's not always the case especially when you've got two guys who are quite big and you know you don't have to be you don't have to be feminine in order to be a nurturing or it's not even down to like a submissive thing necessarily which you might see when you're talking about actual wolves um Mm. and the other thing is with that often that i think in megaverse fix are seen to have have problematic stories that a lot of them actually do involve non-con elements or um, where the Omegas are in a slave-type relationship. So while there are stories out there that are like that, there's also a huge proportion that are fluffy and warm and loving. So 
if you're yeah. looking at Omega Verse Fix, we really encourage you to read the tags. Make sure you know what you're getting into. Um, if there's something on the list that you don't like the look of, please don't read it. Um, look after your own reading experience. Okay, so um, in regard to Dean and Cass, um, some people see Dean as the Alpha and Cass as the Omega, while others see Dean as the Omega and Cass as the Alpha. You can also have um, slightly rarer pairings, which turn up um, a fair bit in um, Destiel stories, which would be sort of Alpha-Alpha pairings, um, or one of them being something else entirely, being a beta. You can get all kinds of different different mix-ups here. Um, who do you choose to see Dean and Cass as, whether it's an alpha or an omega? Um, writers tend to pull from different parts of their personality to reinforce that. So they might pick into Dean's tactile side and his caring personality if they want him to be an omega. Um, if they want Cass to be an alpha, they might um, key into that protectiveness that he showed, particularly in, you know, if we think about early seasons, Cass rolling in to try and take over and, and protect Dean and save him from the apocalypse, they might key into that if they want mm -hmm. um, for the alpha side. <laughs> but they also have other traits which make them work the other way as well. So it's very much yeah. a matter of preference and there's something out there for everybody. Hmm. Yeah, and I think the best kinds of Omegaverse fix though are the ones where, you know, Dean is still Dean and Cass is still Cass. Like their mm -hmm. their secondary gender is a part of who they are. It's not necessarily the thing that fully defines them. So, mm -hmm. you know, I certainly have a preference for which one I like to see as an Omega and which one I like to see as an Alpha. But, like, if the fic's well-written, like, I feel like, and those characters are still kind of true to themselves, that either one could be either role very mm -hmm. easily yeah. to me. Yeah, because they don't have to necessarily, like, something I'm sure we'll go into in more detail when it comes up is just because their gender says one thing doesn't mean the writer is going to write them that way. And part of the fun of it can be having them kind of push back against those secondary gender, gender role. roles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and to me, it's super interesting how, I'm not sure how y'all write, but it's kind of like I almost pick like which in season a character I want to try to portray. And so, you know, like Cass, when he is Steve and he, you know, works at the gas station and he has his little um, hoodie and he's homeless and he's like kind of like sad and distraught, like that works well like to like the like stereotypes of an omega right but like i think yeah. you know i love to write like season forecast like total uh, you know i'm badass like you know just kind of like a soldier i'm very confident you know and so whoever is i'm so writing um uh, so can really have like a huge um, kind of impact on how those characters are portrayed i guess you know yeah. Very true. I always tend to pick a season when I write those characters as well. Mm. And it has I think that, that applies to almost any fic, probably. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely do that, whether it's Omegaverse or not. That's, uh, that's exciting to me, because I totally thought that I was, like, I'm the only one who, like, chose, you know, like, who kind of chose a season vibe, you know, to go with. So that's exciting. That's something that mm. um, we do in almost all fics, so. Or at least yeah. I know I do. So it just kind of proves that Omegaverse really isn't that different. We're not changing who the people are. Um, we're just, in some just instances, highlighting situation. different aspects. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Changing the environment mm -hmm. that they're in more than who they are. But I think the point that Ellen was trying to make earlier, too, is that some of the things that people you know, tend to not want to read this kind of fic is because they think the characters are going to be out of character. You know, you're going to have an Omega Dean who is 
you know, maybe overly feminized or weak or um, far too submissive. And and if he is all of those things, then he's not going to be himself. And you kind of aren't writing Dean anymore. You're writing a new character. And I think that's like the biggest criticism I've heard about Omegaverse. And I think there are certainly probably fix out there that fall into that, you know, problem or not problem if you're enjoying it, Um, you know, out, out of character, basically. But I find, I have found at least, that that's not true in the majority of the Omegaverse that I've read. I feel Mm -hmm. like they they stay true to character. If if the fic's good and the fic's something that I would want to read anyways, most of the Omegaverse I've come across doesn't have that problem. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a matter of finding the right fic. So, CB, I was just going to ask you, um, you obviously write, you've written a fair few of these now, and... um, (laughs) You do a lot of reading of ABO as well. You, you're the one who usually recommends them all to the rest of us. Usually um, wrecking the ABO, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, what is it about the genre that you think really appeals to people? Like what's your favourite thing about it, I guess? Oh, you know, I've thought a lot about what I love about Omegaverse. And I think there are some really just basic things which you don't have to worry about quite as much prep and the sex smut writing is a little easier. Let's face it. Like male, male anal sex smut can be difficult to write and there's a lot of logistics and with the ABO verse with an Omega, it's a lot easier. Everything's smooth. Everything's pre-lubricated. Everything smells like roses. Like, so (laughs) you can kind of take out some of that um, unpleasantness to real life in the Omega verse to a certain extent. Which was honestly the first thing that kind of drew me in. I'm like, oh, can I write smut? And I'm not going to have to like worry about like all this prep and all these things. Um, But then I got into it and I was far more drawn to the cultural aspect behind it. And the idea of having a male character having to deal with gender bias that, you know, me as a woman has had to go through. And seeing how they cope with it and seeing how they deal with you know, having masculinity, but also being kind of maybe put in that box of femininity with being an Omega. So like the idea of holding two genders and trying to stick to two different kinds of gender roles or, you know, being a male and being an alpha and having to be hyper-masculine and maybe not feeling that way. And I just feel like as a writer and a reader, like it gives you so much scope for plot device where you can put them in any kind of universe with any kind of, you know, gender biases and political problems and social problems that, you know, based on their gender, they're going to have to navigate through that world on things that are acceptable in that society or not, and figure out who they are as characters around that. And so just storytelling wise, I love that aspect to it. I love watching the characters figure out who they are and, coming to accept who they are is always to me like a big part of the ABOs that I write and read. It's like, they need to be like, yes, this is who I am and I accept it and I'm okay with it. And it doesn't make me lesser than or not good enough. And I don't know, I feel like in my heart that just makes me feel like such joy reading that kind of story or, or writing that kind of story just feels good. Yeah. They often go through it. Don't they like during like a a few of the fix I've read, they will go through the process of either presenting or whatever the terminology is, <laughs> finding out their gender and, you know, John's upset with him or whatever, you know, like it's the, yeah. the whole 
acceptance thing that's going exactly on. and I mean I think we see it a lot in non omegaverse fix with characters discovering their sexuality yeah. um you know coming to grips with you know figuring out which is something I think a lot of people you know discover around puberty about themselves if they don't already know which I think a lot of people know that about themselves younger but I think I like the way that Omegaverse tends to have its characters find out their secondary gender um, at yeah. that like puberty, that hard stage of life, right? And um, and I think it's just it's interesting to have that ability to kind of take a white male character and kind of put him in that difficult position of having the secondary gender put on them, and you know having to deal with a world that might not treat them the same because of it, and. Yeah. So I think it helps, at least, you know, coming from it as the view of a woman, it can kind of help me relate to that character a little bit. Like, they might understand a little bit more as a character, like, what it would feel like to, you know, maybe not be as respected because of a gender or... So instead of having to, like, you know, put that social pressure on them because of sexuality, you can kind of put that social pressure on them because of a gender and then kind of see them succeed and grow and move past it, which is, like, the goal. Um, yeah. So I think that I think my favorite Omega verses always have that aspect to them. Well, yeah. and 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 so one interesting thing that Etsy just said, um, CB, that I think I haven't really quite realized until you said this was, you know, it's kind of like to toss in um, another um, pop culture reference, um, Shit's Creek, right? Like where in um, the Omega verse, um, so universe, you know, it's like we don't really have. Um, homophobia as much you know like you know of course like you know they have like tons of other things to like try to overcome obviously and other um um, challenges and hardships you know but I think that so one thing that I really do like is how it's not even like I'm considered weird to like have um so two men like have to be together in this universe and I think that's really cool and and so refreshing in a way you know not to have you know the like same types of challenges I guess you know it's like a you know um it's a lot of fix in like a more a modern setting I guess you know have so I mean yes that's what we've got in um unwritten I guess is two alphas um and yeah they are treated mm-hmm. like a similar way mm-hmm. as like a gay couple might exactly but anyway we'll come to that we'll come to that um so anything else we want to talk about in, about ABO in general before we get into the fix stuff TCB, did you want to add anything about your favorite parts of of the genre before we went on? Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to like tack on to um, CB's comprehensive and beautiful answer. I mean, I <laughs> I think the only thing that she didn't mention, you know, that I do love is at the end of the day, uh, so much as I love, you know, you know the smut and the, you know the more. Um, explicit, um, you know, um, qualities um, to fic writing and, you, you know, into the fics um, that I um, personally write and read is that mm-hmm. I really just, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a romantic. Like, I think that I'm sort of in the core of who I am. I, you know, I, you know, I just love this, like, concept of them being faded, right? And so I think that's mm-hmm. why I connected so much to um, canon, you know, Cass and Dean, um, being, um, you know, and sharing this um, profound bond and everything. So I think that um, so one of the things, you know, that really taps um, so into me and my personal taste is just the quality of um, the romance, I think, you know, and I think, yeah. you know, that it's really 
I'm kind of interesting too how a lot of fics um, tend to show how they um, try to make it work, you know, um, outside of even, you know, you know, that um, biological and physiological kind of response, you know, um, and kind of how their um, personalities were unfaded to be together, you know, you know, even outside of that. So, you know, I think if I had a favorite aspect, you know, apart from um, all the beautiful reasons that my co-author has talked about and mentioned already, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would probably say that, so. Yeah. It might be a, a good time to just quickly mention as well, um, whereas CB mentioned about the kind of mirrors between um, presenting in Omegaverse and people discovering the sexuality in, in our world, I guess, air quotes there. Um, it's also a very unique experience for a lot of non-binary people to read abiofic. Um, I've spoken to a couple of people previously who've kind of explained that it's interesting for them to see characters that they love put into this kind of this world where they have this rigid expectation of, of gender and secondary gender and then see how maybe that doesn't fit them and they fight back against it and they have these different thoughts and feelings that some of them can, can relate to in a way um, that they are not necessarily what certain parts of their body might look like. There's more going on there, both on a hormonal and chemical level, and also on a personal level. And that's something we don't get to explore much outside of Omegaverse. There are a few fics that do, which is great, and we should look at those one episode. But I do think within Omegaverse, we see a lot more exploration of that than anywhere else. I'm not sure if we've got... I know there are some fics out there that have um, one or other of the guys as like a a trans-secondary gender type thing, where... They started off as an Omega and they worked out that they actually would rather be an Alpha. I've seen a couple like mm-hmm. that, but I don't know if we've got any on the list at the moment. I might have to go and find some and add them just to be. I feel know, like I thorough. read one pretty recently. I... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I read a fic in a different ship actually just this week where one of the characters was born beta and very much in love with the Alpha, but they couldn't bond. Um, and the beta ends up under a spell and they become an omega, but then they can decide to break the spell or not. And so there's a lot of them deciding which gender they want to be Um, because it becomes a choice. And they're like, well, I like the gender I was, but I couldn't have the thing I wanted when I was that gender. And, and them trying to decide what feels true to them and their partner kind of being like, I, I accept you as either. I just want you to be who you feel you are. and it was a really beautiful nice. story, and I really yeah. actually loved reading that. And and I will say, though, the author left it open-ended at the end, and I don't know which gender they picked, and it's, like, driving me a little insane. <laughs> <laughs> because That's they ended evil. it with basically, like, I love you, and no matter what you decide, I'm going to support you. And then the character does something, and you don't know which gender they ended up oh. as, and they just kind of look at their partner like, I love you, and I love you, too. And it's like, is this what you want? And they're like, yes. But I'm like, but which did they pick? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great fic, and it was a different ship than Dustiel, but... um. But yeah, that that exact idea that you were talking about, Mal, about um, gender identity, and I think that is can really be beautifully explored in in Omegaverse. So, have you guys ever read any um, Omegaverse outside of Supernatural fandom? Oh no, I haven't. I'm just curious to see if it's any different, like I've or if the same kind of things. Uh, oh, maybe no. we can ask the audience if anyone has um, has has any to uh, recommend then please do let us know 
Um, but yeah, we should really talk about some supernatural fix, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. The first one we've got on the list is your very own white collar contract um, by CB Firestarter and Trenchcoat Baby was published earlier this year. It's finished now, though. It's clocking in at 165,000 words and <laughs> it is explicit, quite explicit. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, would um, I think, CB, you were going to read out the summary for us. Caught between the lesser of two evils, Omega Dean Winchester is thrown into the orbit of Castiel Novak, a gorgeous, older, and incredibly wealthy businessman, and perhaps the only alpha who wants him for his brains and not his body. Castiel has no interest in bending Dean over the nearest surface and fucking his brains out, which is a first. Not that Dean cares about the alpha's lack of interest. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. He couldn't care less. So cheeky. (laughs) So cheeky. (laughs) He's cheeky. Well, such big stuff happens right in that first chapter. You don't want to spoil it too, too much. But mm-hmm. but yes, but my, yes. my dear co-author, Trenchcoat Baby, wrote that summary. And I love that she put some, like, Dean denial right in the middle of the summary. Yes. <laughs> Just, like, in complete denial, even in the summary of the fic. That is a good point. Well and, what's, well, and what's so funny is that, um, so you wrote him, like, I'm pretty sure that he was like, I'm so attracted to Cass, you know, by like chapter three. And so that summary is probably like, you know, like a moot point almost immediately. But I still <laughs> like love it. The very yeah, start falls, of, the, of the whole thing. He falls really hard, really fast. In this <laughs> but who can blame him? And so Alpha Cass is just. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we out. should start by <laughs> explaining a little bit that um, this is the kind of story where the, the Omegas have a contract involved in their. Uh, like the the alphas kind of have ownership, I guess, of a of a contract. Sometimes the omegas have their own contract ownership, and so Dean is. I I don't like. I know this is the very first chapter, and you didn't, you said you didn't want to spoil, but I think we need to in order to something. move forward. Yeah, talk about um, it. <laughs> he is rather than entering into a, a deal um, with um, Dick Roman, um, mm. a nasty piece of work who is a businessman who is probably going to abuse Dean quite nastily, um, he goes instead, or he's, I guess, enters into an agreement with Cass um, under a white-collar contract, which means he doesn't have to be a sex slave or anything like that. Obviously, the, you know, shenanigans ensue. But um, one of the things I love that the way that you've written um, the alphas in this um, verse is that all of them, except for Cass, are just really horrible. Except for Benny, I guess. They're just such nasty people. Like all of the the bad guys in in the show, obviously, who you've pulled in as the business associates of Dick (laughs) are just so (laughs) nasty. We definitely overloaded the fic with bad alphas. (laughs) We definitely, we like a bad guy and I feel like we just put them all in there. (laughs) And I know we reached a point partway through the fic where like we can't have all the alphas be bad. So, we really did have this talk. We, we had like... this conversation where we were just like, oh, my God, we have good alphas in here, right? Are there good alphas? Well, we've got cast, but it can't just be cast because you know, <laughs> we don't want to gender gender stereotype either, right? And, I mean, Joe is in the story, and she's an alpha. Oh, yeah. um, and right. Benny is an alpha you in the story. Nick, you have Nick, too, right? And Nick. Nick is Nick, also yeah. um, in the and story, he's and he's an alpha. Yeah. Yep, so we've got... Um, and I think, um, is Jody an alpha? I think we, I don't know if we really gave her designation. I think she is. Um, 
but yeah there are there are a couple of good alphas but like you're talking about like four good alphas against like probably 20 bad guy alphas yeah it's not balanced (laughs) i think my mentality you know with that is that you know um, so these these like type of people tend to like travel in packs kind of like to use like an abo pun haha um but um (laughs) so i think it kind of made sense you know to me i'm gonna have this like big um, group of just you know these alphas who who all kind of um hype each other up and you know like like talk each other um, into this kind of behavior i guess um but you know so don't um, regret um how many bad guys um, we wrote into it you know but i do think we probably could have like tried to balance it a little bit better yeah no i I didn't mean that you you didn't have the right balance i just meant that they were so deliciously horrible (laughs) they were they were so much fun to write and I think they are, though, like a commentary on the society that we put the characters in, um, that it is an unbalanced society where the alphas hold the majority of the power. Um, mm-hmm. And usually when people have power, it gets abused, right? And so usually the people in power are not the nice guys nine times out of yeah. ten in any story of any kind. So um, I feel like it was, you know, it was still a conscious choice on our parts that you know, the alphas were going to probably be the bad guys in this story, just based on the society and the way that it functioned um, that the boys were in, which which makes it even more, um, I don't know, impressive or makes Castiel stand out that much more that he has this immense power and he doesn't use it to hurt people or to take yeah. advantage of them. So I think, and so one of my favorite things that we wrote and so into that story is that, you know, kind of how Cass you know, at the beginning of the story is not really a great guy, you know, he's not like a good guy yet, you know, like, I would say that he's so actively not a bad guy, obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, he doesn't um, try to, like, abuse Dean or, like, you know, like, try to degrade him um, to, like, the other um, alphas do, um, but I do think that he's, uh, you know, a little bit too um, distant, like, he you know, is, like, super aloof, you know, and he's, like, you know, the type of quote-unquote um, good guy who just um, doesn't um, so want to get his hands dirty, right? Um, and I think um, by the end of the fic, not to spoil, but you know, I, you know, I think it's na- um, so natural to assume that you know our characters like should have like growth, and I think how you know um, how we show that is we show how um, he gets closer to Dean, right? And how like Dean can kind of like transform him a little bit. So I think Cass yeah. has some growth in this story too of learning that just because you don't do bad things, if you're complicit when bad things are going on, you can be just as guilty. Exactly. I think, I think that's a hard lesson that he kind of learns that like by doing business with people who do bad things, you are supporting people that do bad things. And I think he kind yeah. of opens his eyes to things that he has been blind to and not paying attention to. And it, yeah. Dean kind of puts a human face on a lot of things that he's kind of been ignoring. Um, and I thought I thought that was beautifully done by you, Trenchcoat Baby, like showing his growth that way. Thank you so much, Tear. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have a favorite scene in this fic that you wrote? Oh, I know I did. Oh, I. Um, so we should try to guess each other's. Actually, um, how cute would that be? <laughs> <laughs> Are they going to be the same scene? Oh damn. <laughs> I'm really thinking hard. I know, me too. There's a couple of scenes and they're wet in almost all of them. 
<laughs> in more than one way or yes in all the ways but like I, I think we were joking about that at some point too I'm like we really love having the boys like damp like they're jumping in the pool or they're swimming or they're caught in the rain or I'm just like god I think we've like beaten this trope over the head like 20 times now oh, like okay. come on if you think about the boys soaking wet and their shirts sticking to their skin and kissing like hair damp and it's just like that's sexy so like okay, okay. I regret nothing speaking of okay also no me neither <laughs> I have no regrets for, for what we did um okay I'll try to say this as like um so vaguely as possible is your favorite the scene in the pool whenever it's nighttime and it's oh. after a party is that your favorite yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I think that's, that <laughs> is, I mean, we were working up to that scene for so long that, like. We talked about that scene for so long. That is a good point. And I kept asking you, are we there yet? Can we write it yet? Can we write it yet? And you're like, no, not yet. <laughs> I, I, there was a lot of, like, back and forth between me wanting to make the smut happen a lot sooner and Trenchcoat Baby being like, they're not ready yet. It's not time. Um, so you, you can away. blame her for the slow burn. But okay. <laughs> but can't we all agree that a slow burn smut is, is so much more satisfying <laughs> on the whole? <laughs> that was the opposite when we were writing uh, uh, Magic Boyfriends. You were like, can we, can they get together now? I'm like, no, 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 we've got all this stuff to get through. <laughs> I, again, though, was yelling at both of you to have them have sex already. So but we're on a scale, right? <laughs> I am always an advocate for the early smut. We have pro smut, um, CB. We have me in the middle. Oh, and then we have, um, so Ellen, who's saying like, no, but the plot is so important. And I'm like, but they have to make out. They have to make out. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, we put a lot of obstacles in front of our characters that they had to get through before they could get to the smut and have it be reasonable. So like, I understood why we had to write it the way we did. And I, I, glad where we ended up but yeah i was definitely like a caged tiger pacing a little you bit were... <laughs> to write that scene <laughs> so <laughs> but i mean I, description. <laughs> yeah but honestly like you know me like probably the hardest scene to read in that whole fic is probably my favorite that i wrote mm. which is just me by yeah. nature like i i like a I like writing action and I like writing pain and I like writing the hard stuff um, and then writing, getting them out of it and hurt comfort. And there is a lot of hurt in this fic FYI heads up. Oh my God. So much hurt. Yeah. Like I, we did a lot of chapter tags to try and not spoil people, but yes, there, um, hit the chapter tags for sure. Yeah. Um, There's some hard topics and there's some very graphic scenes that are, are hard on our characters. And I'm very sorry, Dean. Um, and cast. There are there are parts of this where I remember, um, you know, God, I just had like such an emotional um, response to writing it because I remember, like, I kind of wrote like the um, a big chunk of, I guess, the man, and this is so hard to explain, you know, in like non like spoilerly language, but whenever you know, you know, they'll have like a quote unquote a breakup type thing, and I took that so hard, like I really like I was like crying and I was like what is wrong with me that I'm like so emotional about this breakup you know which I know that I can fix (laughs) yeah I know you called me I think after you wrote it you were like sobbing I'm like oh no and 
honestly, even me writing this fic was, it, it got really emotional. But like, for me, if I'm really emotional about it, I feel like I've probably hit on something good. So it's yeah. like worth the, you know, trial I put myself through as a writer. <laughs> and it was like a double whammy though because I had just written that really two I think two emotional scenes back to back on those two chapters if you remember and Mm -hmm. like just uh, you know my character was that I was writing from was in a lot of fear and a lot of pain and a lot of you know just suffering really and struggling so hard and so like I'm struggling writing those things and I think then I read the one scene that made you cry that you wrote and I was like oh my god I'm done like I need to like cry it out I need to walk around the apartment building like I need to like recenter myself and like watch some Shit's Creek or something to feel better and like eat some ice cream like like it was it was very hard to write the some of the you know the climax of that story mm-hmm. um and it was very cathartic to to you know make the fix it part yeah you do you do make we it do better, fix so it we, we always do. we always yeah. fix it we are happily ever after girls all right so you better pick trench coat baby's favorite bit oh yeah um, she didn't guess mm. yeah oh man so it's not the same as mine then i would say the in the library which time <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a lot of things in the library. I think that first... <laughs> it's like an extra character. That first, it really is in this <laughs> fic. I love that. Which, um, maybe not everybody knows about the fic, but it is sort of an ode to Beauty and the Beast a little bit. There are a lot of Beauty and the Beast nods in this story. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you can pick up on them. Things like the West Wing and the library and... Um, and... and um... And, you know, you know, when Cass, like, saves Dean from um, the wolves, quote-unquote, you know? Yes, exactly, yep. And uh, yeah, and okay. Dean also sacrificing himself for his father, very Belle. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we had, like, some parallels that we kind of tried to follow. It's because our, actually, our first outline, the title of our first outline was, like, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast 2.0 or something. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> that's Wait. where the discussion started when we first outlined this fic. Way to spread our tea around town. Thank I God. really am. You guys are getting all the tea. <laughs> but, yes, the first library scene, I think. That first, you know, that's what I think would be yeah. your favorite scene. Okay, I definitely do love that one. I think I my favorite unsold scene is probably like a library scene, you know, but it's a bit of a sadder one because that's who I am. I'm a little sad bitch. Um, I love it. And um, it's a bit more angsty, um, but that's all I will say to those people who have not yet read it and don't want to be spoiled. Well, but I know what you're talking that. about, and that was a good yeah. Ah, thanks. It was fun. <laughs> awesome. How about you, uh, Mel? As an outsider, do you have a <laughs> a favorite? Oh, I've just, like while they've been discussing, I've been sitting here trying to think what my absolute favorite would be. Um, I'm a sucker for dancing, honestly. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so that that like really got me somehow see again Beauty and the um, Beast dancing <laughs> cool I think I think my favorite has got to be the first like when they're out caught in the rain and you know that bit when they oh. come inside and oh. the first time they actually yeah you know get it on a bit that's my because <laughs> it uh, it's um all about the first, first times are always yeah. good though, right oh <laughs> yeah, that was awesome um, that's a good awesome well um I guess we have to say that if you haven't read this um, fic, where have you been? Like, 
get on it right away. Um, and we'll have a link to, to the actual pic in, um, in the blog post as well. Shall we go on? Yeah. <laughs> so next, next on the list um, is No Words by Little Flirt. This fic was published a few years ago now. Um, I believe she published it serially and it is, it's 112,000 words long, so it's a bit of a long fic. Actually, I think all three of them are fairly long in this that we're going to talk about today. I'll just quickly read the summary for this one, I guess. On the run from his very powerful family, Castiel does his best to get lost because if he doesn't know where he is, his brothers won't be able to find him either. He ends up in Silverton, a small mountain town nestled deep within the Rocky Mountains, where he meets Dean Winchester, very beautiful and very grumpy Omega. It's a short and sweet summary for that one. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't give a lot away in that one, really. No. So we have Alfred Cass and Omega Dean in this one. Yeah, so without spoiling, the, the basis of the world that this fic is based in um, is there was a large organization who was essentially uh, stealing Omega children. I don't think that's necessarily a spoiler. You find that out right in the first chapter. And <laughs> Alpha children, both, right? Yeah, just, yeah, I think that might be true, actually. Um, children who they believe wanted to kind of go back to their their wolf roots, essentially. But there um, are humans in this world too, right? So there's, yes. there's a where. So it's not a complete Omegaverse yeah. in terms of every single person has a secondary gender. Mm. And we start the fic with with Cass running away. You don't necessarily, I think we find out little bits as the story goes on of exactly kind of the depth of what he's running away from. Um, but right from the beginning, you know that Cass is, is running. He has he has money, he has clothes and, and a car, and that's about it. And his car is not in great shape when the fic starts, which is obviously where Dean comes in. Um, and the, the most noticeable thing about Dean immediately when they first meet is that he does not talk. Um, we find out later that he he can talk. Um, he's not he's not mute. He's selectively mute. It's a kind of a psychosomatic thing for him. But he does not talk to Cass at all at the beginning. But that doesn't stop them from forming a very profound bond. Of <laughs> course. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this fic has a lot of. Um, while there's no shifting in this fic, like I feel like a Omega Verse fics fall into like three categories, right? Like. You have full-on animalistic in that they can shift into wolves, and it's very yeah, animal-based. <laughs> and, yeah, and you have all of those werewolfy um, tropes, like all of them included. And then you have kind of like the middle ground where, like, if you are an alpha, beta, or omega, then you're aware, and you have animalistic tendencies, but there's no real shifting, which is where no words kind of falls. And then I think. You know, the third category is where they are these secondary genders, but really at the, you know, heart of it, they're still kind of very human in a very more, like, grounded in a more real world setting. Um, and I kind of like the line that no words dances. Like, it's kind of like they definitely have animalistic things. They purr, they growl, you know, there's mating bites, and the moon has a big effect on them, but they don't actually shift into animals. So it's kind of this nice um, balance, I think. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm really sorry. This isn't even on, well, it's kind of on topic. Um, no words. I just got the title, you guys. Like, where have I been? <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, it just snapped into place okay, for cause... me. I was like, <laughs> okay, anyways, continue. Well, you, couldn't re- you couldn't remember what it was about a few minutes ago, so that's okay. <laughs> okay, no, <sorry>. thanks. <laughs> I just help me. You're doing better. But yes, no words. No words. Dean can't talk. Uh... <laughs> And, so, <laughs> so did any of you guys 
go into this fic and kind of have this moment where you were worried, like knowing that Dean was going to be mute, and you're like, how can this character possibly be like Dean if he's mute, right? Because yeah. like Dean is just so such a bright personality, and like his jokes and his laughing and his you know his sarcasm and all of that is just so Dean. It's like when I first started, yeah, I was like. There's no way he's going to seem like Dean, you know, with... Yeah, his personality is a little bit muted, to to use this terrible pun, um, that yeah. he's not as bright as usual, but it's still there. But it's just, he was um, still so Dean, yeah. though. And yeah, I just yeah. feel like it was, I was so worried about it. And then as soon as I started reading it, I'm like, wow, it's still Dean. Like, you can tell... You know, it's maybe a season nine Dean or a season seven Dean who's kind of like struggling and in a darker place. Um, I yeah. kind of see it as a season seven Dean who's really kind of just like down and, you know, not having a lot of like hope for the world in a certain way. Um, but like at the same time, he's still kind of like sassy and pushy. And, you know, that quintessential thing that makes Dean Dean is still very, very present. Um and I just thought that was so beautifully done and the communication between the characters, even without talking, um, was probably my favorite aspect of that fic outside the, you know, the ABO aspects. Yeah, and major kudos to Little Flit for writing that um, as well, because um, I've written a mute cast before mm. and it it takes a while to get into the rhythm of that because it's so easy to just have them say what you want them to communicate. <laughs> um, yeah. And when that option is off the table, it really, you know, makes you kind of stretch your writing muscles in different directions. And I think she did that so well in this fic. Yeah, that's a great point, Mel. I was going to say something about that, too, because, yeah, I really think that the way that I get into writing Dean is, like, through his um, dialogue, right? You know, I think his voice is so um, distinct and so fun to write. And so I think that, it, you know, it had to be a huge challenge for her in trying to like get into his mindset almost, you know, I think that she did a great feat, you know, and trying to um, have that, um, you know, and trying to bring forth his personality through um, body language and thoughts and that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that was yeah. um, done so well. So well, which is where she utilizes the Omegaverse, right? Because in Omegaverse, they have other ways of communicating than words. You know, they're, they can sense each other through smell and body language. And I think the scenting's really big in this fic because they can kind of, you know, sense when one of them is distressed or happy or sad or aroused. And because of that physicality, you don't need to have words for, you know, an alpha to tell how an Omega's feeling and vice versa. Um, so I think yeah. that definitely, like, it, the two married really well together in this fic. Oh, married. Good, a good verb Aww. choice. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other thing about this fic is that um, I, when I was rereading it, like, like, in the last week, I remembered the first time I read it, I was really, I guess, I had a feeling of unease as I was reading through it, thinking, like, oh, it's all going to go wrong, like they're going to break up and it's going to be bad. But, in fact, it's a quite a fluffy and loving fic. Like there's never a point where they're not, where they're trying to get away from each other, I don't think, that things happen external to them that drive the plot forward rather than any kind of a breakup, mm -hmm. which is great. 
yeah that's that's my favorite type of angst oh, yeah. for sure like when the angst is between the two of them I'm always just like skipping forward like nope don't nope yeah. <laughs> but like the external like plotty angst I like give me 500k of that stuff on your side with that Mel 110% I love plot <laughs> angst that the characters have to fight together while they're together like yeah yeah and if it prevents them from getting together for a while makes it that much harder mm -hmm. and more painful yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm on some yes. wavelength that's the good stuff <laughs> well maybe we should use that as a segue to um to move on to the third pick because i feel like that in the third one um it's actually the characters who are creating their their drama rather than the plot oh my anyway. god character driven uh, so so let's go on um i've heard it better myself <laughs> um so the third pick we we're going to talk about is called unwritten and it's by porcupine girl um, it was published even earlier, um, back in 2015. Um, it's only 75,000 words, so a little shorter than the other two, but still uh, quite a hefty story. Um, also explicit. We seem to be all in the explicit stuff today. I think it's quite rare to find an ABO fic that's not explicit, but they must be out there, but I, don't, I think they're quite rare. <laughs> a spontaneous scent bond is the stuff of romance novels. An alpha and an omega meet by chance, and they happen to be so compatible that their pheromones are perfectly aligned, drawing them irresistibly together to mate and bond for life. Neither bookstore owner Dean Winchester nor science fiction novelist Castiel Novak have ever thought it sounded romantic. Your hormones going nuts and tricking you into tying yourself to a complete stranger for the rest of your life? No thanks. But when Castiel comes to Dean's store for a signing, they find an inexplicable pull towards each other and into a powerful bond that neither of them wants. A bond that shouldn't even be possible for two alphas. At least they agree on one thing. They will not let biology determine their fate. So as the, in this little group here, the resident, air quotes, non-ABO fan, <laughs> this was, for me, one of my favorite fics. I have read some ABO. Um, I'm definitely more into the more plotty kind of fix like I, I would I'll read almost anything with a good plot which is how I feel like a lot of people like me kind of drift into Omegaverse yeah. even if it's something that they didn't intentionally seek out you'd be like well this has a really good plot and then you know everyone's recommending this fix so you know I'm sure it'd be fine and then and then you start and it's like a little, little hill that you're rolling down <laughs> um so this was for me one of the first um ABO fix that I can remember really enjoying um, and I think part of the reason why at the time was, as the summary kind of hints on there, um, they really don't want to follow what's put in place for them. And I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that they, they really create their own problems by trying to do that so hard. Yeah. I liked the idea of it at the beginning, but I spent the whole time, like, I don't, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Like, I, I enjoyed reading this book. I really did. It's, it's gorgeous. But I was so frustrated by the two of them. I was like, yeah. guys are, I feel like if you're going to read ABO, together. <laughs> you want them to get together. You want them to have that perfect kind of love at first sight almost type thing uh, at first sniff, I guess. Um, and they just didn't. And they chose consistently to keep staying apart um, because they didn't want to follow their biology. And it frustrated the hell out of me. <laughs> Yeah, you just want to grab them and shake them. Idiots to lovers, really. <laughs> yeah, it just... yeah like, absolutely. Well, well and I think it's really interesting because I think all of us here are really into um two person um to love triangles, and you know, and so this almost yeah. had that like same sort of setup where it's like they, you know, are being kept apart. You know, they can't like see each other. You know, they're like 
trying, you know, like, I'm talking about, like, the reader is, like, trying to, like, push them together. You know, the characters are kind of, like, coming um, farther apart, you, you know, at times. Um, yeah. You know, and so I thought it was interesting how I love a good two-person love triangle, but I get mad at them, you know, when they choose to, like, make that happen to themselves. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, you guys <laughs> yeah. are clearly perfect. Like, you should just be together. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they made the problems for themselves in this fic for sure. And you know, it kind of, they it, it kind of like I don't know why I keep envisioning like Mario Kart, but like when you throw the bananas <laughs> and you spin out of whack, like I just see like Dean and Kath throwing bananas in front of their own cars and just like constantly <laughs> stalling themselves out. Like they get like so close and then they just like, no, I'm gonna throw a banana and I'm gonna spin around and just think about it for a while. And it's like, what are you doing? Like stop throwing bananas. The finish line's right there. Just go. <laughs> I did. Th- I did think it was very sweet that they, um, even though they were obviously quite like biologically compatible, um, they fell in love externally to that. Like by, oh, by skyping each other basically every day. <laughs> like the actual romance of it was um, separate to the ABO parts of it. So that was that was very sweet. I liked that. Well, yeah, and I think like what Mel said too, though, like one of the biggest tropes in within this trope is is you know mating and and true mates and like that being yeah. a biological a physiological star faded thing and as we know from our canon characters they hate fate right they're team free will their team make your own choice and don't let yes. destiny make the choice for you and with true mates that's what that is, right? That's a physical, mm-hmm. biological pull, you know, that's Chuck pulling the string saying this should happen. And so I yeah. think it's, it made total sense in this story that both Dean and Cass are both like, we don't want to just do what fate says. Um, yeah. Even though in this case, fate was totally right. And they just had to deal with that. That's um, true. But that's they true. did yeah, love outside of it. And I, I appreciated that. Um yeah. And I thought that was very true to their personalities and their characters um, canonically. Yeah, well, I think I'll add to kind of, you know, to add to the, like, strengths of the fic, I think that if you are a person who really likes to dig into, like, you know, the, like, science of ABO, like, Unsoul, um, or Untold Megaverse, to universes and settings and stuff, I think that this story um, does a really good job of trying to, you know, give a really thorough kind of explanation of what's happening. Um I think that if you like to, like, have that sort of backstory and, you know, to understand how um, the pheromones are working and, like, the hormones and all this stuff, you know, um, I think that she did a really good job of trying to make some of that science more approachable because I'm definitely not a sciencey person at all. Like, I, um, you know, would much rather be playing with words all day. But I think that the way that she wrote it just made it um, where... Until anybody could pick it up and kind of comprehend it, I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sciencey part, um, it's probably not a spoiler to say because it is in the tags, um, becomes very relevant towards the end where there is like a very kind of angsty mm-hmm. twist to what happens um, in this fic. And it, it didn't feel like you were being kind of buried in the science at the time. Um, it was very much more emotional. Very true. And the other thing this fic does really quite well and plays with is the fact that they're both alphas. Um, and so then, as we said earlier, there's the, um, I guess, the homophobia, but from a, a, an alpha point of view. Like, mm-hmm. so I guess it's not too, it's kind of a spoiler, but I think this does have 
John Winchester's A plus parenting as a tag. <laughs> so you know what's coming. Like John doesn't agree. Um, he gets a bit shirty about the whole thing. But um, yeah, it was interesting that he that that's just he was only upset about the alpha alpha part of it rather than the fact that they're two guys. Male to male, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that was the only thing that I like. I personally missed in this story, though. Like, while I love that, like bucking the trend of the you know the alpha alpha kind of representing like a gay relationship in our society um i i miss the omega part i think for me because and maybe it's just because i'm an omega girl i like writing from that perspective and i like um the stuff that comes along with omegas so reading a story kind of free of that it it missed that dynamic for me um so I almost, you know, kind of read it as its own thing. Like, I don't even know if I mentally really connected it with all the other AVOs or, or Omegaverse fix that I've read. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Because it had slightly different kind of elements to it than a normal or, you know, a mainstream well, yeah, and I think would have. I think I can understand how people who aren't necessarily always comfortable with Omegaverse probably like this fic because of that. Because really two alphas are not all that different than just two regular men mm, that's a good idea um, yeah that's a good point and i think people can get very uncomfortable with the feminization of a male character and really omegas are a lot more feminine um so if there people are uncomfortable with that they might be okay with you know reading two alphas because they're okay with reading two men but the idea of having one of those characters have more feminine traits of an omega physically um whether or not they have them personality wise um makes people more uncomfortable so i feel like that's probably why this fit kind of dances that if you're not always in love with omegaverse chances are you're going to like this story i also found this story um kind of, i really appreciated the found family kind of aspect of it like there's a really kind of strong sense throughout this fic that dean has built his own family um throughout the the bookstore that he owns and the people that work there yeah um, and you get kind of a really good sense of that and i think especially you know for supernatural that's kind of a lot of a lot of what the show is is about um that you know family doesn't end with blood and all that and in mm-hmm. this case it doesn't end with pheromones either um <laughs> so and, and i really think that that was handled very well in this fic um that there were actually you know a fair number of kind of supporting characters and the people that work for dean um and there's several that kind of get introduced through Cass as well um, and it was never overwhelming. It was just this kind of sense of community. Mm-hmm. And it was also kind of comforting that you got the feeling that those people wanted to scream at Cass and Dean as much as I did. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thank God Charlie for Charlie. Was, is on Charlie was beside herself for, I, the, for most of it, I think. Yeah, I love <laughs> Charlie. But so well, once Sam knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they're beautiful <laughs> secondary characters in this story. It was a really um, beautiful world building. All right, let's, um, there was other fix that we had on our list that we might want to give a, a, a quick shout out to. Okay, so this, this fic, I, I don't know if it was the first, like I probably, the probably first one I read was probably No Words just because um, CB probably threw it at me and went, read this. Oh, she did that um, to me. I yeah. did, that, I did. <laughs> it was the first um, Omega verse that I read and then I promptly threw it in everyone I knew's faces. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, this is called... Get a whiff of this by Bending Signpost, who uh, you may know from other works such as Four Letter Word for Intercourse, which is not ABO, but never mind. But this one, his ABO fig, um, is only twenty seven thousand, but it's 
so gorgeous and he does a, a brilliant job of it's very bringing, fun uh, omega dean who is doing community service type thing in an animal shelter and um is allergic to the animals and can't smell anything for weeks and then um he's very confused by castiel who's vet um there and yeah it, it goes on from there and it's so good i reread it every now and then just because i love it so much um so yeah mal did you have another one that you wanted to mention yeah uh one is a very well-known fic it's a large work in this fandom that is tor valen it's a fantasy um abo so there is a lot of world building that goes into this fic um, it's done really, really well, in my opinion. Like, you don't feel like you're just having kind of information dumped at you at any point. Um, you explore it along with the characters, but the, the sheer amount of world building in this fic is absolutely fantastical. The world is fascinating. Um, it is a very distinct um, ABO in the way of the way that Omegas are treated, um, and you follow along with um, Omega Dean in this story, and with um, Castiel, who has like a large ancestral estate. It was, I think, possibly the second or third ABO that I read. So I went straight from. <laughs> you always go sure, for the big ones, sure. don't you? <laughs> I know. I'm not sure why, what this is about me. But like once I decide I'm going to try something, then that's it. I just go in for the giant one, apparently. <laughs> um, this fic is, let me think it's, I know it's over 200K. I think it's 228. Yeah. So, And we will link that one on the website if anybody's interested in a fantasy take on ABO. Oh, I feel like I feel like you can't talk about Omegaverse and not talk about also like a hole in the world, um, which I think Trenchcoat Baby and I both read at the same time fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Annalise Mikkel, I think, is the name of the writer on that one. Um, sorry if I'm pronouncing that username wrong. And that was a really, again, dealt a lot with, um, there's a lot of court cases and dealing a lot with Omega rights and things like that, which is always like one of my favorite um tropes within the verse um so that's beautifully done and that's a really painful beautifully angsty painful story um the writing's really amazing on that um also omega dean and alpha cast in that um and again into your hideaway i think is also one that was like really recommended to me early on Um, oh yeah i love that and that's that's full impreg there's a lot of like pregnant dean for like 90 percent of that fic um, so if that is not your bag, that is not your fic. <laughs> and then, you know, I didn't mention this one to you guys, and I don't know if any of you have probably read this one, but there's um, Running with the Wolves by Dancing Dog. I think I'm That sounds it. really familiar. Yeah. What happens in that one? Mm-hmm. I know yeah. I've read it to you before, but that is the, um, it's a shifter fic, a lot like your No Man's Land. Oh. Um, so the characters are actually in wolf form for the majority of the fic. Oh, um, you so have told me about this one. Yeah, okay. so there is wolf on wolf smut and human human smut. Not that um, I'm offended by that, obviously. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's all great, um, in my opinion, anyways. Um, but yeah, it's it's like a 200,000 word fic. It's like one of those big, long, epic stories. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of side characters and side stories and packs and Actually, fighting. You know what? And... It's it's on our list and it's it's 381,000 words. Oh my god, words. yes. It's so long. It's the longest fic I've probably <laughs> ever read. It's a big one. And, but yeah, you do get sucked into that verse. And it, so if you're looking for something that kind of has like that um, wolf aspect to it, like they're full on howling at the moon for like 90% of that fic. Um and so it's kind of beautiful, though, the pack mentality. There's a lot of cuddling and 
physical contact and taking care of each other. And there's like this huge family bond in that story that is um, really beautiful. And I really recommend that fic to anybody that's kind of like feeling that vibe. So, uh, well, and so one more I wanted to add, I'll add one to the list really quick. I think one of my favorite modern, like, I think a lot of Omegaverse stories, um, how ours included, honestly, kind of take it outside of like our current MC universe a lot of ways. You know, I think we created a lot of parallels, you know, but I think a lot of, of these types of stories kind of make it um, feel very separate from our world, right? But I think one of my favorite modern um, stories actually is Walls. Like, um, so um, CB wrote um, Walls um, Between Us, um, and I just love that story so much. Because I love how you once worked in, you know, so many class issues and and so um so legalities and kind of and so made it um feel like you you kind of took our world and just tossed um these characters into it. And I thought that was a really well done job that you did for that one. Oh, you're gonna make me yes. blush. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I did have one more that I was going to mention, but I think we probably have enough now. Is there too much, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to went, I was going to mention one just because of how different it is compared to a lot of the other ones, because it's actually um, a canon ABO fic, which is um, "The Smell Before the Rain" by Jay Scribbles. Yes, and they're actually um, the Sam and Dean that we know. Um, are, are thrown into another universe um, by Chuck. So this is a kind of more recent season fic um, that happens. Um, and they're thrown into this universe that looks at first glance to be kind of like the one that they know, um, apart from there are strange militias patrolling the streets. Um, something's up with heaven. It's Something is slightly off. Um, and they're desperately trying to scramble to learn about this world that they're in. Um, and then Castiel falls sick with a fever that only Dean can soothe. Alright, I'm going to laugh. I'm just like, I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's really interesting because you, you get to watch the characters. Like, we know, like, reading, like, we know what's happening here. And you get to watch the characters, like, stumble oh, their way man. through this. Full on freaking That's out about the really whole thing. good. I really want to read that. It is. It's good. And it's probably different to everything else we've talked about because um, Alpha, Dean, and um, Cass. So. And also them being yeah. in a universe where they're not familiar with secondary genders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they literally end up, um, I believe, in a, a diner or a kind of cafe of some kind with Sam, like, reading to them from a book, like, this is what's happening to you. Of course, you. Sam will be, like, Googling <laughs> it and, like, looking at the website. It's, like, reading yep. the, like, wiki on it. Oh, that's I think horrible. at one point he actually says to Dean, don't fuck him or something like that. Like, don't yeah. do it. Whatever you do, don't do don't that. Don't do it. <laughs> so definitely, definitely check the tags on that one, because there are some kind of darker twists to that, so definitely check the tags on it. Um, but it's kind of unusual to find canon ABO so I figured I would mention that um, So one. I was going to add to that actually I know um, so one other canon um, to Omegaverse but it is dark. It's maybe one of the darker things I've ever read um, and I sent this um, to CB and I was like on my period and I was like you have to read this with me because I'm so upset and like I want you to be upset with me. Um, <laughs> we always share the painful fix with each other. We're like do, do you want to hurt? I want to hurt. Let's read this thing. We are masochists truly but yeah we um, um, so it's called Grey um, by um, so Valendy 
until I, um, I'm not really quite sure how to pronounce that, but yeah, and to read the tags on this one for sure, like, um, I'm talking some really, really dark stuff, but it is um, so heartbreaking and very um, beautiful and angsty, so if, um, so you're, um, so if you're into the angst, um, you know, when you're trying to get into this um, um, subgenre of fic, I would um, recommend that one. I think I saw, um, you know, I was on, like, a thread in, like, the um, Destiel Poor on Facebook, um, and somebody wrote, like, I'm, I'm giving you, like, your saddest fix, and I was like, I got one for you, girl, <laughs> you know? Like, it's like that kind <laughs> of story, so. Does it have a happy ending? It does. It does. It does it's it 95% sad. And then the last bit is just cuddles. And then a sliver. Like, and I was like, I don't even know if this is enough cuddling to make up for all that pain, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> okay, let's go on to co-writing. I think I've written with all of you in different combinations. And <laughs> obviously CB and TCB have written together. And Mal has written with lots of other people as well as me. So we've all got a bit of experience in this. I guess that... Um, I just wanted to ask, to start with, what is the, the best thing about sharing a fic with someone, like writing something with another person? Yeah, my experience is probably different because it's, although I have done just fix with one other person, it's generally organizing large groups to write things. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'll like tag on to the end after we talk about like normal air quotes normal co-writing. Well, I've got an easy okay. answer for this one. I mean, I've been super lucky that you know, the people who I've chosen to co-write with, I've, you know, it's been an easy co-write. In, uh, yeah. You know, who you write with makes a big difference. Like having similar writing styles and um, especially when it comes to like organization and characterization and like tone of voice, um, you know, you want to find someone that you kind of like blend with. <laughs> and like, so I've been lucky with that, like getting to write with Ellen and getting to write with Trenchcoat Baby and um, getting to write with another friend of ours. Um, I've, you know, just been really like, I think I've just been lucky because I know that it's not always smooth sailing for everybody with co-writing. Um, but I think I just love being surprised writing. I think like if I had to pick one thing about co-writing that I love, it's being surprised. Because, like, so often when you're writing on your own, like, you're writing both sides of a story, right? Like, you're writing Dean's perspective. And even if you're only in one perspective, like, you still know what's going on with the other character. But, like, when you co-write, you can kind of not know what's going on with the other characters. Like, I can write Dean, yeah. put him in this situation, and not know what Cass is thinking and be wondering. And then when I get to read and find out what Cass is thinking, reading Trenchcoat Baby's side, it's like really exciting like there's this kind of exciting surprise element like what are they gonna do what is my co-writer gonna throw at me and then <laughs> and it's kind of like getting to like learn that other character the things that you didn't know about them because your co-author knows about them so do you two always do it that way where one of you takes a POV each because um Elle and I did it that way as well when we wrote but I know some people do switch off chapter by chapter yeah um yeah, we, I've always done it that way, um, kind of by default, but like just picking a character and writing from that perspective and sticking with that. And I, it, it's worked for me, at least. And you I know, think it, it works well for keeping the voices of the characters separate as well, because mm. even though you might, your styles may merge together quite well, that you still got a distinct voice that's good for different points of view, right? 
Very much so. I think it's that kind of story lends itself to co-writing for that reason. Like if you're writing each author's picking a perspective of a character, then those characters have their voices. Have any of you guys like switched perspectives when you've co-written? Um, I've co-written on larger projects that I've organized with big groups of writers where instead of doing um, a POV per person, it was more a case of almost like an episode per person. Yeah. So you would be, there would be several scenes within your chapter. You could, you know, use whichever characters you needed for that. Um, and I do think doing it that way requires a lot more organization to make sure that you're picking up the threads that you need to and the plot points that you need to. And because it's, you may not be switching off as regularly with that one. Mm. So you won't just be switching from one person's point of view to the next person's point of view. And you can't just say, okay, well, we didn't do that in that scene. We'll, we'll have to carry it over to the next one because the next scene could be several chapters later. You would need a really good outline. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah. A really good outline and lots of organization to do it that way. But at the same time, it's also a lot of fun to do it that way because you do have so many people's different kind of points of view and perspectives and they can bring so many different things to that. It's like a nice kind of little, little melting pot when you do it that way. Yeah, what seemed to work best with that, like um, that I felt being part of one of those was that you were like, almost a showrunner type thing. Like you had one person, one or two people who sort of designed the overall story and then you, everyone wrote their own bits, but you guys kind of brought it all in line so that it made sense in the whole picture. Um, I was going to say, since you, um, since Mal and so Ellen, like y'all have both written, you know, you know, in that kind of a larger group context. And I think means, um, me and CB tend to write uh, uh, one-on-one kind of situations. So what do you think um, is more challenging or more beneficial? Like, so what do you think, you know, can, like, serve, I guess, um, the process and the plot best? I think it really depends on the kind of fic. Because if you're writing something that's more character-driven, then I really think you probably want that smaller cast of writers. You want to stick, keep your POVs tighter, one per person. Um, But if you're writing something that's more... Maybe you're writing something that's third person omnipotent or you're writing um, like one of the projects that um, Ellen and I did together was basically a season of Supernatural. So it was it was canon and it was divided up into episodes. That's a whole different kind of way of doing things. So you can bring in those different um, writers and have different writers do different episodes because you do actually kind of want them to feel different and kind of as a, a little package by themselves that just contributes to the whole overall arc of the season. Mm-hmm. So I think it really depends on the story. So it's also a different kind of experience as well because when you're writing your little episode, um, you just do your bits and then you turn it in or post it and then the next person does their bit, you know. So when you're writing a whole fic with one other person, you get that kind of instant um, feedback, I guess, from each other as you're writing the whole time. Like it's a much more continuous process, I guess. I think that's one of the good... Um, kind of um, byproducts of um, you know my co-writing experiences um, have um, so always brought me um, super close like to the person who I'm co-writing with. Like I remember up to me and you, Ellen, you, you know would have to have long, long chats on the phone sometimes. You know to like try to like um, to nail down more complicated like plot details and like to like try to like talk through you know some more complicated um, topics and issues and stuff. I think you know, that that closeness that you sort of grow, you know, with your friends as well, because, um, you know, I wouldn't, 
um, uh, personally, um, I've always I'm so written, you know, with friends first. And I think it's, you know, it's like kind of important to have that bond like pre co-authing because I think that, yeah. um, that to have like a similar taste and, and so reading material, I think is good too, because I think that we all kind of write the like type of the like types of things that we like to read. Right. And so, yeah. Um, and so I think that it's like a good way to like blend if you, you know, um, have like a pre-established sort of um, foundation, you know, um, so whenever you're trying to um, pick a co-author, cause I get this question a lot, you know, uh, so people ask me, you know, oh, well, so how can I find a co-author or whatever, you know, and I, you know, just kind of tell them like, just make friends and just like talk to other writers and just, you know, try to connect. And I think that's like a huge part of trying to co-write is is you know just trying to find your crew of people who you to really have a lot in common with you know and that you can um have um so fun on the page with you know yeah I think that's the the main thing like a lot of well I think pretty much all of the fics that I've written with other people have been like a spur of the moment like you just chatting shooting the shit on discord or whatever um and then suddenly you go hey you know what we should write this and <laughs> and off it goes you know <laughs> So it's really important for, like, rather than having, like, you you can certainly do it in a way that I have an idea. I don't feel like I can write it myself um, on my own. I'll go and ask other people if they want to help me. Um, That's that's definitely one way to do it. But also to have a spontaneous kind of a, hey, what about this idea? Let's try it out. I do think, though, like, I think people who are... um hyper structured with their writing will probably struggle a little with co-writing um and you should kind of like have an idea of if you're gonna co-author with someone like what's their writing style because if they're very like regimented and they need to have an outline and they need to know every scene and where it's going to go and how it's going to fit together and they can't really diverge from that and you're someone who wings it you know, you're not going to work as well with someone who has like a regimented schedule. So like knowing that before you get into it and end up frustrated with each other, I think is really kind of important. I don't know. I I think that's, that's the way that does work. If one person's rigid and the other one isn't, that's fine. But if you have two people very rigid. Oh, that is very true. Who can't deviate (laughs) from their, (laughs) well, I'm just saying that that I know that Mel is quite structured. She always has an outline. It's quite detailed. You like work out exactly what going to happen it may change as you as you go through i know but yeah whereas, I mean, you got to keep a certain amount of flexibility in there but if, if i think if you were someone who had the idea story a certain way in your head and you weren't willing to change then that could be really frustrating then you need someone who's flexible yeah. to kind of go with the flow with you yeah i think it needs to be someone you're comfortable enough with that you can i won't say challenge them on things necessarily but yeah. at, at any point in a story you're always going to have options for how you go forward from that mm-hmm. point um, and I think you need to be able to come to like a mutual agreement on where you're going to yeah, go. Yeah. I mean, I feel um, like when so. Trenchcoat Baby and I wrote our first co-fic together and we wrote Waiting on a Signal, um, that was such a, I don't know how any other way to say it than winging it. Like <laughs> there really was no, we didn't have a big, we didn't discuss a lot about a big plot. Like we knew the elements we wanted like we knew, you know, I knew I wanted, you know, paramedic, sub dean, she wanted Dom cast. This is, so we knew the things we wanted. We knew we were going to do like the two person love triangle. But like it was the whole fic 
kind of just naturally organically kind of build itself. I don't feel like even like we were two thirds of the way in and we're like, okay, what's like our conflict and our end. And like, I was like, we have like enough here that we have like yeah. an actual plot going. We should figure out where we're going with this. But like, there was something very relaxing about that style of writing for me where we were, you know, and it was certainly, I know it's like a hardcore um, BDSM fic, but it's actually a pretty fluffy and light fic. There's not a ton of angst or pain. We would put put each other in situations writing wise and and stop mid scene, and then make the you know your co author basically pick up on the next scene, which like I think is harder but also fun. Like you're dropping like this is where they are. Dean's in panties. Here he is. You go. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So versus like you get versus writing and getting all the way to the end of a scene and completing it and letting them start a new scene. You're writing, you know, you're switching perspectives mid moment almost. And that yeah. was like, I definitely had a lot of fun, like throwing chapters over at TC baby oh, and be like, ah, deal with this. How are you going to get them out of this? Like, yeah. <laughs> and it was so kind bad. of like, it felt like a game almost writing that. Fic, it did. I you know because I mean, we were just tossing it back and forth and it was just like a volleyball match almost. We're uh, unlike, you know, white collar that we talked about, which was, much more plotted out and we knew where the story was going to go and things we wanted to see yeah, for it, it depends on the fic right, right. so we yeah. wrote them back to back and we both wrote them together but like it, it, it was a very different writing style for both of them I feel like yeah you know you know I think it you know it's a really good point that like the co-writing process really does um, reflect, you know, onto what you're writing. Because I think for um, Signal, you know, and the best way I, I could try to uh, to describe it is like playful, right? Like, and so we were so playful with that fic. Like, we just kind of like, until we liked like challenging each other and giving each other like, you know, um, um, to new ideas and stuff and just like trying to see what would happen sort of thing. Um, and so that was, a, you know, a, you know, a very um, um, so fun and light experience. Whereas I think when me and Ellen um, wrote A Magic Boyfriend, um, and so AKA and, um, the closest thing um, we have to magic. Um, and we, you know, um, our approach um, had to be a lot more, methodical yet we also I've left a lot of things too to chance like we had like a lot of things where we until we knew like certain plot points would happen but we weren't really sure um the um you know ingredients to get there but I think that you know you know that you know that story is like a good example of like a balance I think right Ellen like I think we both you know we would plot out certain things yet kind of like you know allow a lot of um, freedom in other spots too yeah, and I think actually this, that's a good example of um, how co-authoring can really be a great experience is that I, like, I, well, I certainly learned a lot from that experience because in the past I hadn't ever posted a lot of whips like that. Like we posted it week to week and that was a new thing for me, like trying to let go of, um, you know, having a rigid kind of plan. We just had to come up with each thing week to week kind of thing and, um but we did also, um, you know, have a, an idea of where we wanted to go with it as well. So it was like a, we probably both learned something out of it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, for sure. No, I think, yeah, I totally think that I'm a bit more, um, 
you know, I'm not as I'm so rigid, you know, my structure. And so you like taught me a lot about that perspective. And I think until so hopefully, you know, um, I taught you a little bit about, you know, just trying to see what happens, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Letting go of the control. <laughs> Definitely. I'm a control freak. I admit. <laughs> I think co-writing should come with a warning label though, because Ever since I've gotten into the groove now, co-writing with all of you, it's very hard for me to write solo. Yeah. Oh, it's oh my God, it became really addictive. I'm like, I miss my co-author. And, you know, I'm, I have a work in progress right now that I have been a work in progress for a year. And yeah, it's legitimately a year now. And I'm just like, oh my God, I just like half the time I sit there and I'm just like, oh, can't can't my co-author write cast for this I just <laughs> like I just want to hand the reins over for like half of it and I feel like that would energize me with the story um yeah it's, it's good motivation of, isn't it, it yeah. is. there's nothing more motivating than waking up to find that somebody's already <gasps> written <a> right? <laughs> I'm totally spoiled with it now and I feel like it like I never felt this way with solo writing before, but now I'm like, it's kind of lonely. Like I miss not being yeah. able to like go back and forth with a co-author. And um, so, yeah, it's totally changed me as a writer getting to co-write with, with both of you. And like, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, in a good way, but also in a, like, now I don't want to be alone and I'm a clingy author that wants to just write. <laughs> <with you guys. laughs> it can be really inspiring though, because I I found that, for example, when I was co-writing with Ellen, that she might drop something into one of her scenes that was just an inconsequential mention for something, but then I would take it and pick up on it in my scene, and it would slowly become a whole new plot point or something that we hadn't really considered. So you just have that like really wonderful aspect of just being able to bounce things off each other throughout the writing process. It's yeah. And I think that's much harder to do by yourself. <laughs> Everyone brings their strengths. Yeah, it's, it gives like an organic feel to a fic when you've got two people working together, I think. Well, I think, you know, yeah, there's something really powerful about having a person who's as so equally as invested, you know, um, into the story as you are. Because, yeah. you know, I, you know, I think... Um, beta readers are, like, amazing. And then, and so y'all are, like, um, you know... I've all been my um, beta readers before, you know, and beta readers can give great um, content and feedback and edits and all that is so important. But I think that until having a co-author is a bit kind of like having like a partner in marriage or something, you know what I mean? You know, you know, it just feels like you're just like trying to create this thing um, together instead of, you know, by yourself and having like your, uh, your, you know, your, um, so aunts and uncles come by, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that's kind of how it feels like to be a beta reader. It's like, oh, I love you. And like, you know, you know, but you're not up to my story at the end of the day, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the more thick, the better, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we should probably wrap things up for today. Okay. So I guess we should um, firstly say thank you very much to um, CB and Trenchco Baby for coming to talk to us today. Thank you. It was a joy. So thank you for having us. us on. <laughs> yeah. 
the co-writers say that. in unison. I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Also, um, yes, Mal, I want to do some uh, BDSM with you one day. So I'm just going to add that in there. Let's 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 add each other. Oh, that's Look, quite a proposition, you... isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you did just say that this was like a marriage proposal, so I'm not sure quite how I should answer this. <laughs> I'm down on up to one knee, and I have um, to whip in my hand. Um, I'm, so what do you say? <laughs> Oh, baby, let's do it. <laughs> um, please join us for our next um, episode of the Mixtape Book Club on the 30th of October, when we will be bringing you the best of the spooky and horror fix just in time for Halloween. Ooh. Ooh, indeed. Ooh. <laughs> um, and so you can contact us um, in a multitude of ways. We've got all our different um, social media accounts, which are all at uh, Mixtape Book Club. You can find links to Everything we've talked about today on our blog, which is mixtapebookclub.com. And you can get in touch by emailing us if you want to as well. Contact at mixtapebookclub.com. Um, please tell us how, what you thought of this episode and how you think the podcast is going. Um, if there's anything we can do to make it better, um, we'd love to hear from you. So please get in touch with us. Um, and thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And remember, fans, in fanfic, the story ends when we say it does. Is there like that? a squeaky toy in the background? <laughs> somebody's somebody's squeaking. Somebody's squeaking, <laughs> and I and I wanted to tell you guys in case it came up. Oh, and editing. you know what it is? It's there's birds. Okay, it's me. Oh, there's me. Bird, um, <laughs> there's baby birds outside the window. I was gonna say my bed squeaks, but it's I promise it's not squeaking that rhythmically right now. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, that would be concerning. <laughs> Mal's like, speaking of until a megaverse, I'm reading right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll save that for after, okay? <laughs> Much appreciated. I'm going to be able to remove that from the um the actual track, so we'll see. Oh, no. Oh, good. Can't wait. Keep it in. Um, this is a, a, a TC baby I'm reporting, and I'm the pervert on this podcast. <laughs> Excellent.